0: I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect
1: it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality.
0: Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson. Good to have you here. And you know, tomorrow's Friday, and so we're rolling into Easter week and. The whole thing, if you really sit back and think about it, the whole thing's really kind of weird because as Christians, we believe that somebody was killed, he died, he was buried, and then he came back to life. And let's be honest, that's not normal. That's just, it's not natural. It's it's above, outside of nature. We call it supernatural, but the whole gospel hinges on that being a reality which can be an obstacle for people, which is why I'm excited because today's guest is Jeremiah Johnston. He has a book called Body of Proof, and uh, it's available now, doing great. A lot of people have gotten it because he gets into this question, this very really difficult to explain uh, there's there's an illustration that i heard recently if if you watch if you saw people dancing but you couldn't hear the music you would think those people were insane and if you ever watched like a music <laughs> video with no audio you know what i'm talking about if you don't hear the music of the resurrection it does not make sense mm. but when you do uh and it changes everything so uh, glad you guys are here. I'm going to give you some inspiration as we roll into Easter, and I would definitely recommend you know checking out this book. It's, just, it's a good faith builder. Jeremiah, great to have you on Life Today Live.
1: Randy, this is one of my favorite shows. I love your questions, and I love you, so it's great to be back. I'm looking forward to this conversation.
0: The questions are easy because they're all about your book today so so i I, let's back up before we get to the proofs if you will let's get to the motivation because um you know it's one thing just to do sort of the the thesis you know which is kind of where this came from for you uh but it's another thing to to really get some understanding and look at the hard questions why'd you go with this approach on this book because i've i've read most of it and i find it very interesting by the way
1: yeah, it's it's really my own maturation. The book almost starts at level easy, almost like a video game. Then it gets more normal, then it gets hard. I mean, there's four parts to the book. And you kind of walk with me through my own experience being in Oxford, studying the bodily resurrection of Jesus, what evidence we have, and also all the counter arguments. And at the end of three years of study, Randy, I was more iron-fisted for Jesus Christ than I'd ever been in my life. I remember walking home. We lived off Banbury Road in Summertown, about two miles outside the city center of Oxford. I would walk home from my college every day. I had a smile on my face. I had a kick in my step because I had read everything there was against the resurrection of Jesus. I had read all the counter arguments, all the natural theories, all the misconception theories, deceit theories, the mythicist, mythicist theories. And I was like, is that all I got? Because, wow, it would take a lot more faith to try to believe in that than what actually happened.
0: Yeah, well, and, and it, it would it would be pretty easy to just dismiss it. I mean, let's be honest, let's walk through some of those. I, I want to I know there's yeah, a lot to absolutely. cover, but let's hit some of the big ones, because anybody who's a skeptic or anyone a Christian who's yeah. trying to talk to someone who doesn't believe they're going to they're going to run into these questions
1: and there's so much fun you know you can only put so much in a book that's the other challenge you know it's like how how much of this can we put before we get to the meat of the book and i was only able to devote one chapter to it but i've done a lot more publishing and writing on this whole notion of what do the skeptics say mm-hmm. the fascinating thing and i'll name them that many skeptics say is they don't disagree at all with the experience of the disciples as historians, as critical historians, they agree that those first followers of Jesus saw something. They just don't know what reality it was because history can't show you that. That's where faith comes in. They don't disagree. I think of Ed Sanders, who just died in 2021. E.P. Sanders was one, probably the most popular Jesus scholar of the last generation. Um, would not have called himself a conservative Christian by any stretch. He wrote a book called Paul and Palestinian Judaism that rocked biblical landscape. He says that not only the the disciples, but he believes Paul saw the resurrected Christ. But he said, I don't know what reality that is. Garrett Ludemann, an atheist uh, philosopher, Bible scholar who died in 2021, he's the one who popularized the mass hallucination theory. You Mm -hmm. might have heard of this before or some people in our audience he agrees as a historian. They saw something. He refuses to believe it's a physical bodily resurrection because that would be miraculous. And he's an atheist. Um, well, at least he's not anymore, I should say. But he was an atheist in his lifetime. And so he he's the one who popularized this notion that you have over 500 humans who all have the same mass hysteria, hallucination. They all hallucinated seeing Jesus. And that's Hmm. what kicked off the the early Jesus movement. So he popularized that. Then you have guys, more modern scholars like Richard Carrier, who are in what I call the mythicist camp, which honestly is an untenable position. It's intellectual suicide to say that Jesus never existed. Um, But there are some that still try to pander that. So I've got to devote a couple pages of my book to (laughs) it and how ridiculous it is. But um yeah and and what's fascinating I I even did a a team meeting here recently at Prestonwood with our entire pastors quarterly we I give them apologetic training and cultural engagement training and I even showed the end of the Peter Jennings series. Do you remember the Search for Jesus, Peter Jennings series? Yeah. It came out like 20 some odd years ago. Yeah, I do remember There's that. Clip. The whole series ends, which is, a, it was a very well done series, but it ends with, again, a non-Christian New Testament scholar, Paula Fredrickson, Boston University. She says the same thing that gerd Ludemann and E.P. Sanders said. She believes that those early disciples saw the risen christ she just said i wasn't there so i don't really understand it so i don't believe in it so it's really interesting you have all these critical scholars they don't disagree that these early followers of jesus had experiences of seeing the resurrected christ they just can't explain it
0: isn't that fascinating it it is and it's understandable on a level because when you you know the, the myth theory i mean that's just that's too much there's too much Right. Know, other evidence and other, you know, out, outside of the Bible eyewitnesses to the fact that there was a man, the Jesus of Nazareth, you know, and he did have followers, uh, you know, right. that just, that one, I, I agree with you, it's it's uh, untenable to the point of kind of ridiculous, although you still get people out there saying it. Yeah. The idea, though, of a, of a mass uh, delusion, you know, that, that I, I mean, I think... <laughs> I could argue, I could argue we're living in that in the United States right now with people that <laughs> say know, men can become like, women, you know? Yeah. It's like we yeah. we convinced ourselves. That one to me is uh, has some intellectual honesty to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you think it starts to fall apart? I've got my ideas, but you're the expert. So yeah. I'm wondering what you think.
1: Well, and and this is where again I have to be so careful, and I've I've already been thinking about a sequel to this book because Actually, very few people hold to the mass hallucination theory because it's, it's a non, it's, it's, there's no other examples to point of where everybody hallucinates the same thing. You have people that hallucinate groups that hallucinate, they get on LSD, acid, whatever, Mm. they hallucinate all kinds of stuff. But to hallucinate the same experience with hundreds of people, that's never been repeated. And so that's why sociologists look at it like what, you know, we, we can't duplicate that. We don't see any evidence of that anywhere else
0: but okay so hallucination one thing but delusion slightly different in other words right you know one person saying they saw something the other saying "Oh, I didn't see it but I, I believe that it happened or I believe that they saw right it. Um, I the the, the ma- I get the mass hallucination is different than a mass delusion but mm-hmm. uh, I mean are they entirely separate or is there something to the idea that well okay no, all these people did get into this cult like the Jim Jones kind of thing, and they yep. believed, they did believe this, but that doesn't make it true, which I think is a fair Exactly. No, it doesn't. Argument.
1: And the uniqueness of of the Jesus movement is there were 28 different Jewish messiahs. Jesus is one of the 28 who proclaimed to be messiahs, and they made all yeah. kinds of promises. Yeah. They Some were even persecuted, some even died heinous deaths. Jesus is number 1 of 28 he's the only one who the following claimed he came back alive and then that took form and 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 that's why i think that we should also discuss the other part of my book that kind of goes hand in hand with the with the misconception theories as If the Gospel writers, I mean, Randy, if you and I were trying to invent a resurrection story that wasn't true, Mm -hmm. we would have all kinds of marketing problems because, wow, all of the highlights that you see in the Gospels about early Christianity would have really been tone deaf to the Roman mind. I mean, they couldn't have, I I gave a paper that launched this whole book and way back in 2012 at a Society of Biblical Literature in Chicago. And I said, if the disciples made up a false narrative, not a true one, they did a really bad job. Okay. I,
0: I, I, I definitely want to talk about that, but I, I want to hit one more thing on the the, yeah. the false Jesus thing, because I find that very interesting. Because back in Jesus' day, yeah, you're right, there were. That's why the the Pharisees uh, and the Sadducees were going out to investigate Jesus, right. because they got these claims quite often. In fact, I was watching a documentary uh, about a surfer recently, and he, he had grown up. His mother was part of a group out in California that followed a guy called Jesus Christ Lightning Amen. Literally, he changed wow. his name to that. And it was, it was just a straight up cult. But he thought he was the, the second coming of Jesus yeah. Christ. We've seen that ever since we have. Jesus walked the earth. But here's the thing. You know, he's in jail now for meth you know, mm-hmm. distribution and stuff. And yep. None of those guys last. Those imitations, right. the false Jesus types, the false messiahs, they don't. They don't last, but Christ has stood the test of time. Is there something to that?
1: Absolutely, and that's where critical scholars, they really have a hard time explaining the rise of Christianity Mm. to the most dominant belief system in the world Mm. the last 2,000 years. They cannot explain the rise of the church because you have to understand like 4Q285, so um, that would be Cave 4, Scroll 285, of the Dead Sea Scroll community, they had a prophecy that when Messiah comes, he would kill the Roman emperor and the Roman occupiers. Yeah. He would kill and vanquish a corrupt priesthood. So even in the Essene Dead Sea Scroll community, they did not see a Messiah who was gonna come die on the cross and, and raise from the dead. Nobody was expecting that. And Randy, this is why I think Judas fell out of the boat. I mean, we have to actually ask practical questions. Like, why didn't Judas get it? I think Judas didn't get it because he wanted a conquering Messiah, I agree, and obviously Satan took the opportunity.
0: Yeah, I agree, which also goes to your point about if we are going to create a Messiah, they, they, the one in the Bible is not the one that the world wanted.
1: Right, no, they did not want that one, and that's why I spend two chapters on this a Body of Proof, because we just, because of our historical distance, Today, we don't understand, I mean, I could camp out and write a whole book. We don't understand how disgusting crucifixion was to the Roman mind. Roman historians like Tacitus and Suetonius stop short of even describing crucifixion. Most people don't understand the most detailed historical accounts that we have of Roman crucifixion are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are more words devoted to Roman-style execution hmm. called crucifixion in those four books <laughs> than any other books from late antiquity. Interesting. And when you realize how you would not make up your Savior, especially if you had a Jewish scripture that said, Cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. This is why Paul writes the, our preaching is foolishness, kind of like your opening monologue in our interview today. I don't, I don't think you said foolishness, but something so, kind of like that. Like kind this crazy, could, yeah. Really bizarre to people. Yeah. I mean, that's why Paul said the preaching of the cross is foolishness, but to those who believe, it's the power of God unto salvation. And it's interesting when you do study these, uh, even in Acts chapter 5, Gamaliel, remember him? He he brought up two other false messiahs, Mm. and he said, look, if this movement's of God, nothing can stop it, but if it's not of of God, it's going to come to naught like these other ones. Right. So, you know, we even have those recorded and I give a list. I don't go to all 28 because that, again, this is a popular book, but I think I list about a dozen of the false messiahs hmm. and in a little uh, text box and explain why they weren't taken seriously after their death. And so back to our critical scholars, they really have trouble because, you know, we might have Christians watching this right now. I think, well, Jeremiah, what about, and Randy, what about Isaiah 53? you know, the suffering servant passage. What do you mean they weren't expecting their Messiah to die by crucifixion? That was not a widely held interpretation in the time of Jesus. You no. have to understand no. the the interpretation of that we see through the lens of Christ 2,000 years later. Right. You know, if, you, if you've got to try to read Isaiah with first century eyes and understand they weren't expecting that at all. And Would, so just... Yeah. I mean, we could do the whole program just on on what they got wrong. But, I mean, I've been camping out on crucifixion. When you throw in there a resurrection, you know, we are so used to being entertained by bodies coming back from the dead. We think it's fun and entertaining. Again, if you actually read the classics, you don't see resurrection anywhere in the Roman Empire. Not for mystery religions. That's nonsense that Christianity didn't crib anything from mystery religions. Mm-hmm. Um, No, this was totally innovative. And then we have women. Do you realize Mary Magdalene is only mentioned once in the New Testament, and she is the first person to see Jesus alive? Why would you go to her if we're making up the story? Why would you have Mary Magdalene be the first person who sees the tomb empty if you're trying to make up a false story?
0: Well, the culture of the time, women weren't educated.
1: Exactly, uh, they weren't educated. Paul, they were property. Paul didn't,
0: yeah, Paul didn't even want them teaching uh, in, in no. the Corinthian church because in, they didn't have any kind of proper training or education. Fascinating. Uh, Paul didn't
1: even mention the women, by the way, in First Corinthians fifteen. That's kind of an interesting thing when you think about it. Paul goes through all the appearance tradition in verses three through eight and never once mentions the women.
0: Yeah. So I mean, the the culture of the time just it. They they didn't believe Mary when they when they. When she told the disciples they didn't believe her. Exactly. It wasn't just Thomas. So, it was all of them.
1: We have to be intellectually honest. Like, if Randy and I were in a war room in the first century, okay, this Jesus guy was a total liar, uh, but let's invent a religion. Let's have him die on a cross. Let's have him raised from the dead. Let's have women be our first witnesses. He doesn't appear to the high priest. He doesn't appear to Pontius Pilate, only to um, this small group of women, um, of maybe five. At the, of questionable you know, uh, ca- character. Yeah. And his mom, well, you know, mom's going to support <laughs> right. you no matter what. Right. Um, you know, why would they, why, why do we have the embarrassing narrative of Peter cussing, the cussing Christian Peter who, you know, denies never knowing Jesus? Remember, Peter yeah. occasionally speaks for Satan himself. Remember, <laughs> right. Peter says, you can't go to the cross, Lord. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Mm-hmm. Why would we include these super embarrassing details if we're trying to invent a story and hoping it takes hold? We wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. So again, critical scholars have a real hard time answering that point.
0: Uh, Another point about Jesus, and I don't want to spend too much time here. Uh, By the way, just to recap, we're talking to Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, His book available now is called Body of Proof. Uh, You can check out more of his uh, materials and, the uh, things that he has available for you. great apologetic stuff at christianthinkers.com looks just like this. Uh, but another th- point about Jesus as really not not a great Messiah for the Jewish culture at the time and in, mm-hmm. in the sense of what they expected uh, is, is right. this is also a guy who one of his early things trips with the disciples was into a place called Samaria. Where right. the Samaritans lived, which they would commonly go miles and miles and miles to avoid, uh, and even to the point where if you'd been in contact with Samaritans, you couldn't enter the temple until you had cleansed yourself. Like right, the worst. Of, we we know lepers are that way, but so are you know the Samaritans. Like oh. this is a Messiah who went to the the ones you weren't, you didn't want to be with. It's like it's like COVID. You know, we think right. we need to wear our religious mask and just don't get around sick people, we'll be okay. But Jesus is like, mask off, I'm going in and I'm hugging them. That's right. Not, a, not, a, not what they wanted.
1: No. And he's even rejected for his unique interpretations of the, of the Hebrew Bible, the, his, you know, the Old Testament. You think about Jesus, even before he picks his disciples, he goes to his home synagogue, and he picks up the scroll of Isaiah in Luke 4 he quotes everything except the day of vengeance of our god so he quotes all of verses 1 and 2 except the final sentence sits down and said this is fulfilled and they wanted to kill him now <laughs> the, this was the synagogue it's like going to your home church you were raised in and they run you out of town yeah so again why are we have why would we include this kind of it's almost like a counter narrative. It's almost like they're trying to get you not to believe in them in some ways because they include these details. The game changer is the resurrection of Jesus. It's right. the only reason. It our our faith is rooted in fact. In fact, in fact, we know the date, April nine AD thirty if you go with the AD thirty date is the day of Jesus' resurrection. Interestingly enough, this year, Easter's on April nine. If you go with the uh, if you go with the AD thirty three date, uh, Easter Sunday is April fifth. We can go to the very date. Um, that's how that's how sharp we are with his with his. That's the historical accuracy. We why, have. why is
0: there disagreement on the date? I'm curious. Do we, is it just um,
1: because there's two different times that the fifteenth uh, day of the month of Nissan um, occurred during the reign of Pontius Pilate? So we know okay. Pontius 30 Pilate's twenty six to thirty six. Okay. And the only time that that fell on a Sunday and Easter weekend, the 15th day of Nissan, cause we date it with the Passover and also Caiaphas's removal from office. There's a couple ways we get at that date. There's only two options. Okay. When you actually do the math and look at the calendar. Okay. Inter- interesting. Okay, the Yeah, it <laughs> just is. So in it, and honestly, like I, I have no, I can't go further than the evidence. It either happened on it happened on one of those two dates for sure.
0: Okay. So you brought up a word, evidence. Uh, yeah. And So yeah you know, okay. So we've we've covered the fact that Jesus was not what they expected him to be. Counterculture. You go okay. Well, you know what is that line? I don't know if Hitler said it or if it's about him. But like the bigger the lie, the more believable it is. Okay, so maybe it's mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Well, <laughs> it, it the the resurrection is almost too big of a lie if it's a lie. Yeah. Uh, how- it's a bridge too far. It is right. So how do we how do we reconcile that this is completely impossible, and yet yeah. this is what we say we believe? Yeah, I,
1: I think that's where the evidence comes in immediately when you trace the evidence. For you know, David Hume said, "Wise men choose probabilities." Again, not a Christian. It. it when you just do the calculation of the evidence, the greatest probability is that Jesus physically bodily raised from the dead. That's the best explanation. That has the most, what we call his, and, and uh, as a historian, it has the most explanatory power. Now, sure, it bears a heavy burden of proof. That's why my book's called a uh, body of proof. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a burden of proof there. But it's one that the Christian movement can sustain because all of the signposts point that way.
0: Oh, uh, no. Okay, I'm going to do the unfair thing to you because of time, but prove it.
1: Yeah. Okay. I love that. Um, (laughs) And thank you for giving me more than 60 seconds to prove it like one of the other shows I was on. I literally (laughs) had to do 25 years of research in 60 seconds for the for the audience. You got nine. Yeah. But my body of proof is this is Jesus predicted it. If the church had a hashtag, it was on the third day. Jesus, uh, because these same critical scholars claim that people who came later made Jesus God. Jesus was stupid. He didn't really know what he was doing. He certainly didn't think of himself as the Messiah. These are all the, the retread, the tire lines. So, no, when you actually look at the historical documents, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, We have four resurrection accounts embedded in those four historical documents, and then we have Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, who's earlier than those four. We see very clearly that Jesus predicted his violent death and resurrection, and he used this hashtag on the third day. Why did he say on the third day? Jesus had a way of messianizing Old Testament passages. He quotes Hosea 6, 2, and 3. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. On the third day. So Jesus in Mark eight thirty one, Mark nine thirty one, Mark ten thirty three and thirty four, predicts his violent death and resurrection after three days.
0: But those were all written after the resurrection, and I, and I've got a Jewish rabbi friend of mine who basically, that's his case is that, look, Jesus was a great teacher, you know, a moral man, all these things, but his disciples revised history to make him Messiah after the fact. How do you, yeah. How, yeah how do you use something that was written after it already happened to say that it was a prediction?
1: Yeah, if, because they're recording history. I mean, they're, they all history is recorded that way. That's where I would have an issue with your rabbi friend and say all history is recorded after the fact. <laughs> well, so yeah. if if we don't if we don't believe it for that reason, why should we believe anything <laughs> that happened beforehand? Yeah. Because you would call it confirmation bias otherwise. Yeah, yeah but
0: that's history not prediction.
1: Right. No, but he they record in history that he predicted it. And I think they see that we got it wrong. We didn't understand. Peter, you know, doesn't understand when he tries to keep Jesus from going to the cross. Right.
0: Right. OK. Uh, did we hit all your proofs or is there more than? Uh, no, 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 that's just, just
1: one. Book. Literally, that's one of seven. One uh, of Jesus seven. demonstrated resurrected, resurrection power. Um, Mark chapter five, Jairus's daughter raised from the dead. Um Luke 7, the widow of Nain's son, he raises him from the dead. John chapter 11, Lazarus risen from raised from the dead. Jesus is the first fruit of resurrection, though, to have a body that's, as I write in the book, undiable. Um, it will never die again. Those three individuals, Jesus raised from the dead in the gospels, they would die a second time. Right. And we actually have two different burial spots. For It's remarkable when I speak on this, I have a slide. Uh, Lazarus was buried in Bethany that's where Jesus raised him from the dead after four days of being dead and then he must have you know death must not have been a big deal anymore Randy he retired to the island of Cyprus and you can go and see his second burial spot in Cyprus the second time which is kind of cool to think about
0: yeah 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 that's that's kind of humorous and A weird way, I find. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's resurrection and those who die twice. The one that, when I close my, I have three proofs that where we close our Bible for our friends, maybe perhaps like your rabbi friend. That's my
0: question next. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So when you look at the archaeological and textual evidence, it overwhelmingly supports the resurrection accounts that are embedded in the gospels. Jody Magnus, who's a atheist archaeologist at the University of North Carolina, is very well acquainted. Her specialty is Jewish burial traditions in Israel. Um, and the reason I bring her up is most scholars today who are critical of the Bible, they will say that Jesus, they, they try to do everything they can to get it where Jesus isn't buried in a tomb. Because if he's not buried in a tomb, there's no empty tomb tradition, there's no appearance tradition. Hmm. Jodi Magnus, because she's acquainted with Jewish burial traditions, says the following, the Gospels get it right. That's a remarkable statement based on the archaeology. So I have two chapters in the book that go through several different archaeological discoveries. I educate you in Jewish burial traditions. No, Jesus' body wasn't eaten by stray dogs. No, his body wasn't thrown in a mass grave grave pit for criminals. His body would have been buried properly, because, and they would have known where he would be buried because they would have collected his bones on the year anniversary of his death for second burial, what Judaism calls oselagium in Greek. That's second burial. And then that's where you see all those bone boxes today on the Mount of Olives. Those are are generations of families that are buried together, they stay together as families. Um, So that would happen on the anniversary of death. There's no way that they would have lost track of the body of Jesus. We actually have a skeleton um, that was discovered in 1967. In a bone box, we know his name, Yehohanan, that's the long form of John. Mm -hmm. And in the bone box, there's an actual crucifixion nail spike that has fish hooked. It's Remember in Judaism, if you know the archaeology and if you know the burial tradition, you had to be buried before nightfall. There was a lot of superstition in Judaism in the first century. So they couldn't get the crucifixion spike out of his heel bone. So they ended up just burying his skeletal remains. And then when they were collected, that skeletal, rem- that it had calcified with the nail, the crucifixion nail, stuck to the heel bone. Wow. What does that tell us? You can be crucified under the reign of Pontius Pilate. They date that in the mid-20s, by the way. Yehohanans crucified in the mid-20s, and guess what? He was buried. So there's no evidence to believe that Jesus' body wasn't buried or eaten by stray dogs, even though that's what these individuals say in books that they publish. Yeah. So... That's, uh, you know, we could do a whole show just on the archaeology that undergirds. You know, I'm, I'm personally convinced, Randy, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher is without a doubt the spot that Jesus, um, that the resurrection spot. I love the Garden Tomb. It's about 250 years too early to be the spot. I still take my groups to the Garden Tomb, do communion there. But there, there's some very recent archaeology that was covered actually by National Geographic, not a Christian publication, mm-hmm. about the fact that the burial sheath shelf that Jesus' body would have laid on is indeed first century. And that's a 2017 data point.
0: But side question, Shroud of Turin, yeah. do you think is that... What, what I is get that? in
1: a lot of trouble. People don't like it that I don't come down hard. Uh, the Shroud is not included in my book at all just because I, I can't decide. I mean, Gary Habermas may think it's truth. Um, it's it's a fascinating thing to take my students through. Yeah. It's hard to explain. Um, it, it has to be a really good forgery if it's a forgery. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, really good. Yeah. Um, you know, but I just, I've got to go, I, I wouldn't have, it's not in my PhD research, I just didn't, I didn't include it, I didn't even cite it. It's a fascinating thing we should probably do a whole nother yeah. show on, because some kind of bolt of light happened to make that happen if it did. It's so, kind of a fascinating, if it is true, it's like, whoa, this is incredible.
0: Yeah, I think it was aliens.
1: So no. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> yeah, I know no. people don't, don't comment no. on that, don't, me. I'm teasing. Don't at me. Yeah,
0: exactly, right. No, and you, you know the reason I can joke about it is because my faith doesn't depend does not depend on that. No, the Shroud of Turin. It's
1: a fascinating thing. It's got a unique history. There's some great sure. thinkers that really get lost in it. And I did a show recently where I didn't, I, I refused to say, and that frustrated people that it's <laughs> it's just not in my body of proof. We have better evidences. Yeah. That's uh, that's even better than that.
0: What what my faith does depend on is the fact that Jesus did physically rise from Amen. the dead and he lives today M- maybe that's, that's right that's, that's that's the end of the sentence is that he lives today and without that i it's another dead faith which is the one thing that christianity is separated from every other religion faith in the world and that our leader <laughs> the one that we put our faith in is we say is alive you know all the that's others right. are dead so what's your what's now nah, i mean wh- i love the conversation we could keep going and i want people to just get the book if you want to Get into this, rehash it, get into more detail of it, be better at discussing it. Body of proof available wherever you get books. And um, it's just, I, I love this kind of stuff, so I, I could go all day long. But at the end of the day, when when people face the questions, I mean, with, Bible does say without faith it's impossible. Please God, I think there is a choice that has to be made in what we're going to believe. And I love the evidence, I love the proofs, I love the the arguments in the sense of con, you know, constructing logic. What Where do you land at the end of all of this?
1: Oh, such a great point. So faith does not equal certainty. And so I'm not trying to argue anyone into the kingdom, but faith does, and faith does not mean faith in spite of evidence. And Christianity is faith in the evidence, faith in the facts of the gospel, as J.I. Packer said. We believe in facts. We believe in real facts. That's what J.I. Packer would say. And then we believe in a person. We believe in the facts of the gospel, and we believe in an event that occurred in real time. These were real people, real places, real events. And Randy, just to encourage our audience, um, the, the promise that we're given in Scripture more than any other promise is John 14, 19, because he lives, you will live also. That promise of John 14, 19 is repeated 24 times in the New Testament. So our resurrection and Jesus' resurrection are linked Mm -hmm. And that's the great reason that we have a living hope today. And what I want people to be encouraged about, there's 300 passages in the New Testament that talk about the resurrection of Jesus. There are are every sermon in the book of Acts highlights the resurrection. (laughs) The Bible would be full of all kinds of holes if we removed the resurrection because Christianity uh, falls without it. That's why it's so important that we brush up and have these kind of fun intellectual inspiring conversations. And we can have this. Other faith movements can't. I mean, Randy, I always say that uh, archaeology is is Christianity's closest cousin. Other faith systems can't say that because Mm. there is no archaeology for their faith systems. They go out of their way to avoid archaeology at all costs, whereas Christianity says, hey, you can test this. And so that's all I did at Oxford and so what's so great it's so great being iron-fisted for Christ I believe in the resurrection of Jesus the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus with all my heart that's why I'm a follower of Jesus and that's the evidence compels me to believe that
0: love it and it makes Easter a lot more fun so enjoy the next it does. week week and a half uh Jeremiah man thank you so much um anything you want to cover anything that's going on anything about christianthinkers.com you want to mention before I let you go
1: no, just uh, grab the book, teach it to others. My my heart in writing this. I think the resurrection's understudied and underpreached. So mm-hmm. let's talk about it more. Let's under let's research it more, like you have, Randy, and then let's preach it more and, and spread it to others.
0: I love it. This should this should get you excited. Uh, and if That's you want right. to just get more excited, Body of Proof, wherever you get books, available now, christianthinkers.com dot John, Jeremiah Johnson, thank you. Appreciate Thank all you, you guys. Randy. Absolutely man. Appreciate all you guys out there watching. Uh hit like, subscribe or share or whatever all the good buttons and come back. We'll get more for you next time here on Life Today Live. See you again next time.